Good to see each of you here on Mother's Day, and we do wish a very happy Mother's Day to each of the mothers and grandmothers. And what I want to share today isn't just for mothers, though it certainly is, or for grandmothers, but it's really for us all, for the virtues that will be presented are virtues that should be for everyone. Second Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the unpretended faith which is in you, which lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that also in you. And the rest of the primary scripture over to chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. So back to chapter 1, verse 5, the unpretended faith. And that's what we need each and every one of us. Have a genuine, true faith. Not a put-on type of thing, but something that springs from our heart, which controls our lives. The kind of thing we've been singing about earlier. He was persuaded that that unpretended faith was first of all in Grandmother Lois, and then in Mother Eunice, and also then in Timothy, Eunice's son. Unpretended faith, a genuine, true, living faith. Now, it's interesting, though, that the mother Eunice <clears throat> had a husband who was a Greek, we learn this from Acts chapter 16, verse 1. And of course, godly people were not supposed to marry those that don't know the Lord. So there must have been a problem there in the past. But apparently then when she heard about Jesus, she trusted him and he forgave her. And she was into the scriptures, as was her mother, Lois, and eventually then her son, Timothy the Holy Scriptures, they lead to unpretended faith. And then going on with this thought, again to chapter 3, we see they'll help protect us against those who would teach wrong, who would try to seduce us away from the true faith. And it points out in verse 15 of chapter 3 that he had been taught as a child Timothy had heard the truth, no doubt from his grandma and also eventually from his mother. Heard the truth of the scriptures, very, very important. And so 
the scriptures are inspired and they're meant to be accepted and learned and studied. Now, one of the primary passages for our Jewish friends was and still is Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. It's called the Shema, taken from the first word here, hear or listen. Listen, O Israel, the Jehovah, the Lord our God, is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And I believe that Grandma Lois and Mother Eunice did that. And so from a child, Timothy had heard about these things. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and, and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you get up. And then it goes on along this line a bit. And so God's word is to be a very prominent, important part of our lives. Timothy was blessed that he heard God's word as a child. And then when he finally heard about Jesus, the fulfillment of the Old Testament and of the scriptures, his heart was open and he knew this was the Messiah, the promised one of God. We find in chapter 2 also, 2 Timothy, verse 15, study to show yourself approved to God or do your diligence to show yourself approved to God a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. There are those who wrongly divide it, which we pointed out later in chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. But as God's people, we are to study it and correctly divide it, that is, correctly interpret it, correctly understand it. Actually, the scripture is very clear about many things. And when our hearts are open, we see this clarity. We see its truth. We believe it, and then we put it into our lives. And what does the scripture do for us? Well, back to chapter 3, after it tells us it's inspired of God, it tells us it's profitable. It's profitable for four things it mentions. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's God-breathed for these purposes. Another great verse is found in the last verse of 1 Peter chapter 1, where it tells us that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 3, verse 16, and that verse are great verses to help us see how true how inspired God's word is. We also need to bear in mind that when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he used scripture as authoritative and as true. He put his stamp of approval on scripture and he used it to combat the wiles of the devil. 
Also something about heaven and earth will not pass till all of the law be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled and it's solid and true and authoritative. It's God-breathed and holy men of God were moved by God to share it with us. He's not left us in the void. He's explained to us what life is about and how we should live. There's a poem I'd like to share with you. It's called The Bible. We search the world for truth. We call the good, the pure, the beautiful. From graven stone and written scroll, from all old flower fields of the soul. And we are seekers of the best. We come back laden from our quest to find what all the sages said is in the book our mothers read. <laughs> That's a good poem, isn't it? It's in the Bible, the sacred and holy scriptures. We need to study it, we need to apply it, we need to live it. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 16, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Sometimes the children sow a few wild oats in between. <laughs> but if God's word is truly taught to them and implanted in their hearts, there's a promise here that when they become older, then they'll come back. They'll come to the Lord. They'll give their lives to him. What a great thing it is to not sow those wild oats. Instead, to live for the Lord in one's youth and throughout one's whole life. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 points us in that direction as well. Now we come to the third item here on the outline, Bible teachings about mothers and so forth. That would be grandmas, cousins, husbands, <laughs> siblings, whatever. It's for us all, really. And though it may be zeroed in with the mothers. Great chapter along this line is the last chapter in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. We learn, first of all, that the godly mother is virtuous. Chapter 31, verse 10. Who can find a woman of virtue? For her price is far above rubies. In other words, who can find a woman of character, of value, of morality? She's worth <laughs> far more than precious stones like rubies. And that's true with us all. A man of character a child of character, men, women, children, all of us. Diogenes went, according to legend, throughout Athens with a light in daytime looking for an honest person. <laughs> kind of hard to find. 
truly, fully dedicated people. And so, first of all, is this very important quality of virtue, of morality. And living in the day and age in which we do, we need to recognize that what society is seeking to foist upon us is not the scriptural morality that is revealed to us by God. Much of it is not. And so from which do we take our cues? Do we take our cues from society or do we take our cues from God's sacred scriptures? Could it be that society is actually wrong on some things? According to scripture, it definitely is. And as believers, we're called to be virtuous and to do what God tells us to do, to accept the morality which he reveals. I understand the second president of our country, John Adams, believed that laws were meant to teach morality. Morality need to be legislated. That certainly is not what we hear today. <laughs> we find something very different. Another thing that's important is ver uh, busyness, that is, willingness to work. In verse 13, back in Proverbs 31, it says, She looks for wool and flax, and she works willingly with her hands. The godly person, the godly mother, is industrious. <laughs> Hard-working person. Maybe you notice the front of your bulletins today. Mother's love is never done. My wife added, neither is her work. <laughs> How true that is. She's an industrious person. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 20. She stretched out her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She, the godly mother, the godly person, cares for those who legitimately are in need. I don't really believe the scripture tells us we should be made suckers in that respect. I think for people who are genuinely in need, we should care and like this person, be willing to help them. So she's not only virtuous, she's industrious and she's merciful, willing to help those who need help. One of the things that impresses me very much is verse 26. I memorized this verse many years ago. Although it's applied to the godly mother it certainly should apply to us all. What's it say? Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She speaks wisely. She speaks kindly. Often you can detect kindness by the tone of the voice. Many times in marriages, people get upset with each other and they forget to speak wisely and kindly. Sometimes they speak very unkindly to each other. But this woman of virtue, she wisely speaks and she kindly speaks. She cares about the people. 
From verse 30, we gather she is godly fearing. Favor is deceitful, beauty is futile. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. She's a God-fearing person. We should all be God-fearing people. We should reverence God and we should fear his judgment and we should share with others how they can believe in Jesus and be forgiven, have eternal life, live for him, and be saved forever. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. We saw earlier that evidently these people studied the scriptures and we learned from these things that we too should study the scriptures. One of the most important things there is, I believe, is to commit scripture to our hearts and to memorize many portions of it. And many times then when situations occur in our lives, God can bring to our mind by the Holy Spirit scriptures that will give us direction and encouragement. So important it is to study the word of God. Every day, I think, we should be into God's book. Maybe not for two or three hours, although that would be fine if you want to, but something every day. And I believe that our studies should ultimately include all of the Bible, not just Psalm 23 and John 14. <laughs> but we should study it through the whole scripture and see what God has revealed to us. A godly person should be prayerful. I'm impressed how often Jesus prayed. How many times out of his busy, busy schedule with people clamoring to be healed and taught, he would withdraw and spend the night in prayer. He would get up early to pray. He believed in prayer. He believed in talking to God. That's what prayer is. It isn't just routinely memorizing something and going over it again and again. It's talking to God in a very personal, real, believing way. And so a godly person should be prayerful. We should pray not only because it's good for us to do, but as an example, as Jesus prayed for the apostles and others and was an example before them. He didn't do it to be seen of men, but they saw him and they learned from that. They learned that they too should pray. Another thing that a godly person should be is humble. That's very, very important. That's what Satan trampled upon. He wanted to be like God. He refused to be humble. He refused to take his true position before God. And that's what... He, Humility involves. God is creator. We are the creatures. He made us. He keeps us going. He blesses us. We should acknowledge him for that. We should truly trust in him and have the attitude of humility and meekness. A godly person, a godly wife, should seek to live by Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what it says beginning in verse 22, Ephesians 5:22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands like to the Lord. 
because the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be also subject to their own husbands in everything. And so the godly wife will attempt to live by this direction. The godly wife, I believe, will also respect what is said in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, something that I think in our day and age is very hard for many women to respect. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be wise, chaste, moral, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So I believe the godly wife respects what God tells us along these lines. Understand when a person had gone through a lot, had lost much, as it were, some person asked him, what have you got left now? The answer was, my mother's life. <laughs> what, what a great encouragement and example a good Christian life can be, especially where the rubber meets the road in the home. That's where it should begin. From there, then, it should go out to neighbors and friends and business associates, family, to the world. We should share Jesus. We should live for Jesus. Thank God for godly mothers and grandmothers and others who let Jesus live in their hearts, who every day, as we sang about, present their lives to Jesus. May we do that very thing. Let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the sacred, inspired, God-breathed word of the scriptures. Thank you for their authority and their truth. Help us to diligently study, diligently read and meditate on your word, that we might even commit it to memory, that it might come handy in a useful needful situation. Thank you so much, Lord, for how you love us. Thank you for motherhood. Thank you for family. Thank you for the opportunity of being called to serve you, to live for you as a light. May your light brightly shine through us, mothers, fathers, children, cousins, neighbors, workers, whatever. Even on vacation, may we live for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your wonderful name we pray.